Welcome to Ciao Bella, hosted by me, Erica Firpo, a travel journalist based in Rome. Each episode of Ciao Bella, I sit down with Italy's creators, contemporary artists and artisans, designers, culinary experts, heritage brands, and innovative estites, and more who are defining and redefining 21st century Italy. Pull up a chair and join in. Hey, today I'm with Valeria Piccinini, who is on the outskirts of Modena, and I'm very excited to talk with you. Usually I see Valeria in person when I go up to Modena, <laughs> but today today we're digital, that's okay. Yes. How are you, Valeria? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. Well, I'm, I'm really excited to introduce you to Ciao Bella because I was so happy when I met you and when I met Pedroni, just to let everybody else know, um, Valeria works for Pedroni, which is a historic balsamic vinegar, vinegar or like, I'm actually, you know what, I'm going to let you introduce it because you can say it so much <laughs> okay. better than me. <laughs> okay, so um, happy to talk to you again. It would be better in person, of course, but you know, um, this is what the time asks for us. So I work for Pedroni. Pedroni is a family, mainly. Um, it has a very, very long history. So today, uh, the Pedroni family has a few different activities going on. It has an osteria, so a tavern, basically, uh, where we serve traditional Modena food. And then we also have a farm. So we produce uh, Lambrusco, we produce balsamic vinegar, and we also produce liquors, like fruit liquors and grappa. So we make almost everything you can make out of grapes. And then um, we use these products in our Osteria too. So the thing that I really love about my job actually, um, is that I work for a part of history of my town too, because I was born in the same town where the Pedroni family lives. What's the and town called? The town is called Nonantola, which is a very weird and complex name, but that's it. And um, Nonantola has medieval origins, so it was found in medieval times, and has a really important abbey, um, which is in the same style as the Duomo di Modena, to make a connection. And actually, the Pedroni family is linked to that history too. So uh, when the first member of the Pedroni family came to Nonantola, it was 1859, and his name was Giuseppe Pedroni. So Giuseppe Pedroni, came to Nonantola, he bought some land and three houses. And one of these houses was actually a cella. So it was part of the Abbey of Nonantola. And that building is still standing and that's where the Osteria is. So actually, when you come inside our Osteria, you come inside a building that is from the 12th, 14th century, uh, which is crazy to me. <laughs> And the Pedroni family has always been, uh, you know, active and open since um, 1859, actually 1862, because that's when, you know, we have the actual uh, papers and documents about the activity. So, yeah, the family has been living there since then. And a little, a little hint, well, a little, a little background for everybody else. This is in Emilia Romagna. Oops, Emilia Romagna. <laughs> I'm so excited that I'm I'm tripping over my tongue, which is on the um, kind of like the eastern side of it. It's on the eastern part of Italy. It's a region a little bit northeast in Italy, not yeah, the very well, north. Yeah, not the northeast part, but we still consider northeast. And it's the center for all. I mean, I'm I, I I'm 
I have to say this, it's the center for all the best food, uncontested. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, now, something that's really important is that, you know, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the different things that Padroni does, but um, in particular, I want to talk about balsamic vinegar. Yeah. So the Petroni family, now they're in their sixth generation. You yeah. mentioned they, they founded the Azienda in 1862. Mm -hmm. Can, one of the things that I thought was so incredible was when we when I visited the Azienda, aside from the smell, aside from seeing these gorgeous barrels, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a second, but... Mm -hmm was that, you know, this isn't like, hey, I just decided to wake up and make balsamic <laughs> vinegar. It's, it's, this is a, something that's passed down. It's, it's something that's family. You can make it in your home, but yeah. it, it obviously in a certain situation, could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So I think, um, like, first of all, balsamic for us, so for the people who live in Modena, it's not a commercial product. Like, if you talk to someone about traditional balsamic vinegar, so there's a little difference there, but mainly balsamic vinegar for the people in Modena, it's a tradition and it's a passion. So it's something you make in your own home and you make it for yourself and you make uh, for it to be living through your generation. So you make it for your children and your grandchildren. And that's uh, why I think it has survived for so long. Okay? We don't know exactly how uh, we started making balsamic because I just told you it's a family tradition, so it's an oral tradition. So we don't have any documents that say, okay, on that day, that person decided to make balsamic. We will never know. So it's a very ancient tradition, and I think it's one of the most precious things that there are in the world for a person of Modena. They, if you want to make a great present to someone in Modena, you give them a bottle of your own balsamic. So it's like the best gift you can give to someone. And and this was always a passion for the Pedroni family too. So actually, uh, when the Osteria started, uh, the family wasn't selling balsamic because at the time it wasn't a product to sell. You know, well, you had Giusti, uh, who was serving the royal family too, but uh, usually in the Osteria, you could eat something and drink something and you could buy maybe wine and bread. And in the following year, you had the drugstore too, you had the bakery, but balsamic wasn't a thing, let's say until the eighties. So balsamic was the, the passion of Giuseppe Pedroni the first. So what he did was to recycle the barrels that he had in the Osteria. So he had a lot of barrels of, for example, wine or beer or Marsala or Zibibbo. And once they were empty, he used them for making his own balsamic. And that tradition kept on and until today where balsamic is our main focus, let's say it's our main product. So let's talk a little bit about, because um, one of the things that you said was it's, you know, it's something that's in the family, it's passed down. And yeah. when I visited, um, you showed me a balsamic, I think that was made, that was started the year that Giuseppe, the current Giuseppe. Yeah. Is a, it was so, born. Exactly. So, so the, the tradition of balsamic usually is that uh, a family builds a new batteria, so a new set of barrels where balsamic vinegar is made when a child is born in the family. Okay, so usually everyone in the family has his own um, batteria of balsamic. So we have on show 
the batteria that was built for Giuseppe III, so the actual Giuseppe. And the tradition says that usually you shouldn't take any balsamic out of your batteria until you get married, so until the day of ah. wedding. So on that day, you can take the first, let's say, batch out of your batteria and use it. And what Giuseppe did was to make, uh, you know, the little gifts for the guests at the wedding mm -hmm. with little bottles of his own balsamic, which I would have never done, by the way. But he was very generous, so uh, all his guests got actually a 33-years-old balsamic vinegar, which is good. Wow. Now... Um, just to give everybody an idea of what you mean by the bateria, um, yeah. when, when, like one of the things I, I love Harry Potter and I will oh. make, a, <laughs> yeah. and I'm going to make a Harry Potter reference me because, too. um, because it just reminded me, what is it called? The hall? Is it the hall? Oh, God, I'm just, I have to look it up. This is what's kind of fun about um, actually interviewing you on the phone is while you're talking, I can look up things. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's true. To make, to make that's sure. That's very I, helpful. <laughs> what's, oh, you what's mean that? the place where you have all the memories? Yes, no. what's that called? Okay. That? Uh, it was in the Ministry of Magic. I don't remember the, the name itself. But you had, you know, thousands of little glass um, spheres where inside you had all the prophecies and the memories, right? The Hall of the Prophecies. That's what prophecies. it's called. Okay. So do you remember remember that scene? This Absolutely, is so. Yeah. And I, and I love it because it's like all the prophecies. So I want yes. you guys to imagine you're in this beautiful <laughs> wooden, wooden like farm room, farmhouse almost, this beautiful wood. It's just rows and rows and rows of barrels. Yeah, and in exactly. each, each barrel is balsamic vinegar, which if you've ever had the chance to smell proper balsamic vinegar is, it's like, to me, it's like, it, it's nectar. It's sweet. Yeah. It's so delicious. Can, I'd love to, to for you to tell everybody how, like, what what is balsamic vinegar and what's the difference between regular vinegar? So balsamic vinegar. Uh, let's start from what I think everybody think it is. So usually balsamic, when you think of it, is just a type of vinegar that you have in the stores. That usually is darker than the I don't know apple cider vinegar or wine vinegar, and usually it's a little bit sweeter. But what you find in the stores, it's a pure uh, commercial product. And most of the times it's a very industrial product. And it's a product that we use too, but we use it for, you know, everyday things. So something that we use very freely, very easily. Um, and usually it's made of cooked grape must. So basically you reduce the juice of the grapes and you add some wine vinegar to it and then you can age it inside one barrel, usually, a wooden barrel, for as much time as you want. So it depends on, on the producer. The minimum time by uh, law is 60 days, okay? And in this days. case, 60 days, so a couple of months, which is quite rather short amount of time. And for the balsamic you find in the stores, which is called balsamic vinegar of Modena, and usually has the IGP or PGI certification, uh, in that case, it's always a blend and the grapes must be coming from certain type of uh, certain varieties of grapes, but they can be grown almost anywhere in Italy. So sometimes the balsamic that you find on the store is actually from Modena, like the one we 
make because we are a small producer. And sometimes it's not. Maybe it's made with ribs coming from the south of Italy, uh, maybe with wine vinegar coming from somewhere else. So it can be a very industrial product too. Uh, that doesn't mean it must be always bad. Like you can find good quality in there too, but it's not the traditional balsamic. So it's not the one the families make at home. So traditional balsamic is called uh, aceto balsamico tradizionale di Modena. So it has the traditional word in it, in the label. And it's a DOP certification. So it's the strictest certification you can get in Europe. And it's like the OCG for wines, for example. And does, doesn't the... Um doesn't the bottle have a, sh a certain yes. shape? Good. So, oh, by the way, PDO or DOP means protected yeah. designation of origin. I think most exactly. of you guys know that. But yeah, I remember you ta talking to me and showing me the shape of the bottle. Yeah, so the bottle is very important because um, it's linked to certification. So uh, a PDO product for balsamic, traditional balsamic, only comes in one bottle. And you can look it up online if you... Uh, search for traditional balsamic vinegar, you will always have this bottle, which is uh, a bottle that has a round body and a like, rectangular base. And uh, it looks almost like a drop when you look to it from the front. And it's been designed by Giorgetto Giugiaro, which is a um, very famous designer. It's a Lamborghini designer too. What was his name? So, Giorgetto Giugiaro. And uh, that's the only bottle for traditional balsamic. So all the producers have this very bottle. So buy the bottle, you are sure that you are buying a high quality uh, balsamic vinegar. Now, just, I, you know, I, I did my simplified research, let's just say. <laughs> and um, I know that uh, the balsamic is made with the must of grapes. And, yes. you know, I think the minimum that for the traditional balsamic, it's 12 years. Yes, exactly. Um, so is there, no. is it a specific type of grape? So you can use a uh, different variety of grapes as long as they are from Modena. So they are certified from Modena. So you can use Lambrusco, you can use uh, Trebbiano, you can use Ancelotta, you can use a lot of different grapes, uh, but they must be um, from Modena. And then, since it's a DOP, of course, the whole production must happen in Modena. And for us, we only use Trebbiano grapes. So we only use white grapes, and especially we use Trebbiano di Spagna or Trebbianina which is a variety of Trebbiano that was imported from Spain in the 1700s. And it's a variety that not many people use because it's not very productive. So, for instance, with Lambrusco, you have way more grapes. So you have more must, you have more raw materials. But we believe that it's the best quality. So we stick to that, even if it's a little bit more expensive to use Trebbiano. Um, so for the balsamic, for the traditional balsamic, you only have one ingredient, and it's only the cooked grape must, and that's it. So essentially, the process is is that the cooked grape must each year, you take it out of the barrel and pass it to the next barrel, the batteria, correct? Yeah. So the hall of prophecies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you go in the hall of prophecies. So and yeah, basically. It... No, no. No, I was just going to ask you, does it change? I mean, you're using, are you using different kinds of wood in, wood barrels, like yeah. oak and cherry? Mm -hmm. 
So uh, balsamic vinegar, first of all, it's a very natural process. So uh, it changes a lot and you have a lot of things that can, you know, interfere with the taste. One of these things is the wood. So you can only use five different woods uh, for traditional balsamic and that's cherry, chestnut, oak, mulberry and juniper wood. And each wood is going to give a different flavor to your balsamic. So uh, in the whole of prophecies that you saw at the very big room, we uh, that's the younger, let's say, Achetaya. So that's where we have um, the new barrels, let's say new because they already are like 15 years old, but they're new. And uh, in that case, they are mainly of chestnut and oak. And that's because now you have uh, all the other woods, so mulberry, juniper and cherry, they are protected woods in Italy. So you cannot make new barrels out of those woods anymore. Like you should import the wood, which is always tricky. But yeah, wood does a, really, a lot of the job. And for balsamic, the older wood is always the one that gives the best flavor. So opposite to wine, where maybe you change the barrels every few years, for the balsamics is the exact opposite. So you try to keep the same barrel as long as possible, as long as it can, you know, hold balsamic. And we have some really old barrels uh, too in the family, and those are the most precious ones. Like how old? Uh, 1862. So we have some of the, um, the barrels that are the original barrels of Giuseppe the first. So they are dated, yeah, 1860, 1862. How old is your oldest balsamico? So our oldest balsamico, uh, we are quite sure, no, we are sure that is at least 70 years old because we have papers that prove that those barrels were inside, you know, the house. And these are um, a few barrels most of them are of Zibibbo wine, so it used to be Zibibbo uh, barrels. And those are the barrels that the Giuseppe Pedroni used first. And uh, But since you, know, you didn't have any registrations, any DOP at the time, uh, we're not 100% sure of uh, how old the content is inside, but we know the barrels are from the 1860s, so uh, wow. That that balsamic, it's something incredible, and it doesn't even taste like vinegar anymore. It's just out of this world, and well, it's a very, very limited production. I'm going to tell you a story that you're going to laugh at. A long time ago, when I was 18 years old, my yeah. friend and I, um, we were in college. We had just started our first year at university and um, in Philadelphia, and yeah. my friend and I are both, uh, we're both Italian-American, and... Um, you know, we grew up with having balsamico, but like whatever you could get, I guess, at the supermarket. And, um, you know, we had Italian parents. And I remember that there was this guy, we, we met him and he was like, he was, he was not, he didn't go to university with us. I think he was older than us. And I think his father owned a restaurant. So he took us out one night and he was like, ladies, I'm going to, I'm going to, he wanted, he wanted to really impress us. So he's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to impress you. So he brings out this vial and he goes, this vial cost me a hundred dollars, which at the time was a lot of money, yeah. <laughs> like a lot for, and it was a really tiny vial. And, and he was like, this is traditional balsamico. And we were like, it cost you a hundred dollars. Oh, you got ripped <laughs> off. And he was like, no, he's like, it's so precious. My dad brought it back with me, brought it back from Italy. 
Now, mind you, my, my family's from Rome. My friend's family is from um, Pescara. So I guess neither of our families were really didn't know anything about Modena. But this yeah. guy was, was telling us, I remember his name was Johnny, and he was like, it tastes like chocolate. And we're like, oh, well, then that definitely isn't balsamic. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and then it was, and then he poured it out on a spoon, and it was really thick. And we were like, "Oh, yeah. this isn't balsamico." Now, I'm here to tell you that was the dumbest evening of my <laughs> life because, because if I, 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 I mean, I, he, I wasn't impressed at all. My friend Sabrina wasn't impressed. Now, in in the past, now, now looking back, I'm like, "Oh my God, that guy gave us a vial." <laughs> Like, that was legit balsamic, I don't know. It was, it was legit, and we yeah. couldn't care less. Now, let everybody know, when you, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's, it is, it's really, really thick. Yeah. It's like this thick, juicy nectar, and um, when, it's like you know. It's like yes. honey sometimes, so it's, it's like, really well, thick. And, and, you know, I've, I've heard rumors that it's also like, it can prevent the plague. It can cure all sorts of <laughs> <laughs> I've heard yeah, all sorts I'm of not things sure about the plague, but <laughs> um, but actually the word balsamico it comes from balsamo in Italian that means balm, so something healing. So it actually does have some healing properties, uh, and that's true. That it's proven because it's acid. Uh, it's very acid, so it can kill a lot of bacteria. So for example, when I have a sore throat, I have a spoon of balsamic, and that truly helps. Okay, and then uh, since it's a fermented uh, product, it's good for your digestion as it's, you know, kefir or yogurt or any other fermented uh, product. And it's very good. So I think it could go into the maybe antidepressants or, you know, some. some so my, my, my daughter this morning had like a slight fever and a stomach ache. Should I just give her a little bit of yeah, balsamico? You can try. I mean, we had some guests, like I remember once we had a um, um, Chinese guest and she was feeling sick and uh, like she didn't know anything about balsamic and she was like looking at me with this dark, thick, like black liquid and looking at me like, I'm not going, I'm not going to drink that. Like, <laughs> it was like convincing her, you're going to feel better. And then she felt better. So she was like in shock. I never thought that that thing that's <laughs> so scary because it's very thick and very dark could actually be helpful. So it does have some healing properties for sure. Now, is it true that every nonno and nonna in Modena and around in, in the area, they have um, at least one barrel of balsamico in their attic? Yeah, almost. I think you can divide like the people of Modena into uh, groups. So the ones that have balsamic in their homes, and usually is the grandparents, and the ones that don't have balsamic in their uh, house, but they get it from the other half, so from the other group, because balsamic is mainly a gift. So I'm part of the second group, so the people that don't have their own balsamic, unfortunately, um, but like my great aunt does, and she gives me a bottle every Christmas. So. Oh, wow. If you're from Modena, you always have balsamic in your house. In your house, either it's a barrel or it's a bottle from your friend or relatives, but you always have some, you know, homemade traditional balsamic in your house. Now I, I want to flip the conversation a little bit because um, the other day, in the news, I was, you know, in in my house in Rome, and I flip on the news and it said that 
Lambrusco was coming yeah. out of the pipes all over all over Emilia Romagna. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately not all over Emilia Romagna because it wasn't in my pipes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> unfortunately. But yeah, it happened in uh, Sette Cani, which is like in the hills. Sette Cani. <laughs> Sette Cani, it's called uh, the town. And it's um, and what happened? I think they had a malfunction in in a cantina, so in a winery, and the um, the Lambrusco went into the water pipes. So in the morning, the people of that town they woke up, they opened their faucets, and there was Lambrusco coming out <laughs> in their sink, and it was like for an hour or so. That was crazy. Like, I wanted I, to move. That me, was, I, <laughs> me, me too. I was like, I'm moving because. I, I have fallen in love with Lambrusco and I'm so happy I have because I feel like that um, Lambrusco, you know, I think most people when I'm like, oh, yeah, Darius and I are going to have we're going to we're going to open up a bottle of Lambrusco. And, and some of my friends not here, but um, outside yeah. of Italy are like, oh, oh, too bad. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about Lambrusco, because I know Pedroni also produces a Lambrusco. Yeah. So uh, we make uh, two types of Lambrusco because you have different varieties of grapes, so you can get different wines. And one is Lambrusco di Sorbara, which is, I think, the most famous too, like the, the one that's um, well known. And the other is Lambrusco of Modena, which is made uh, with Salamino grapes, so another type of grape of Lambrusco. And yeah, it's true, I think. Um, Lambrusco is a little bit underrated and not very well known, especially, you know, abroad. Um, because I think when it started to go, you know, in, in the world, so they started mass producing Lambrusco and it was, I think, the 70s, the 80s. Um, the producers, they focused more on the quantity so they could export, you know, and distribute the product and not on the quality itself. So I think the first time, you know, people actually knew about Lambrusco, it wasn't such a good Lambrusco, <laughs> or maybe it was something made for certain palates. Like I know a lot of people, a lot of tourists that come, they say, oh, I love Lambrusco, it's so nice and sweet. I'm like, Lambrusco is not sweet. No. Why don't you describe yeah. what Lambrusco is? Because I think people so, just know it as frizzy wine. So let's describe yeah. it a little. So, uh, first of all, it's a red uh, sparkling wine, which is not very common. So usually when you think about sparkling wines, you think about white wines. And this case is red. And the Sorbara in particular has a very unique color, which is ruby red and it's very light. And sometimes when you just bottle it, it's almost pink. And it's beautiful. Like to me, it's like one of the best colors for wine. And Lambrusco, comes from um, Latin, from Italian, La Brusca. So the Romans call this type of grape La Brusca. And Brusca means uh, sour, so acid. So it was an acid type of grape. So the wine you get out of it, it's a very fresh, uh, dry wine. So very acid wine. And that's its main characteristic. And then of course you have a lot of uh, fruits, a lot of, a little bit of a violet, um, flavor to it, but it's mainly a very dry wine and it's um, a quite a simple wine. That's true. Like it's not an aging wine. It's not something too complex. It's um, it's made with the Sharma method. So it's not made with the 
you know, uh, champagne method with all the bottles is just tanks <laughs> where you get the wine fermented in it. Uh, but it doesn't mean since it's a simple wine and it's a light wine too, so you never have high uh, alcohol in it. Usually it's like 11 degrees, 10 degrees. It doesn't mean it's a low quality product. It just means it's a wine that you can use every day. You can use it for your aperitivo and not get drunk on it. <laughs> you can drink it easily. And for us, it's like our everyday wine. It's the wine that you always have grandmas or you always have at lunch when you're friends, when you make parties, you always have them. I, I have decided that it's, um, it's our aperitivo drink. So that's why, you know, when I, after, so the, I, I went to Bedroni and I think we tried a bunch of different Lambruschi yeah. and I fell in love with Lambrusco di Sorbara, which Sorbara means it's made it's the grapes are from Modena, so it's it's entirely yeah entirely so, in Modena. Sorbara. It's a, an area, okay, and okay. it's the central area of Modena. So the Sorbara grapes are known to be the the oldest variety. So it's supposed to be the first variety of Lambrusco from which all the others derive. So it's the oldest Lambrusco, and Sorbara refers to uh, the central area of Modena. I, I I think it's like I love my husband and I love first of all we love the bottle I don't the bottle is really particularly beautiful in my opinion or your bottle is really lovely uh, well other people can have the bottle too yeah but it's cute it's not the, the regular you know wine bottle it's a little bit more um, round and thick a little more and, and the tapo is a little bit different correct yeah it's up to like you have the the cork like regular cork and yeah, but it's it's more, we try to make something that reminds you, you know, of um, a little bit of a country, let's say, surroundings, so something very warm and familiar, nothing too, too sophisticated, okay, because Lambrusco is not a sophisticated wine. It's a good, very honest, very genuine wine that you can drink. Yeah, it's, it's a... It's the perfect wine, in my opinion, for like a hot summer afternoon. Yeah. Having some friends over, it's perfect. And now, you must drink it cold. That's very important because if uh, you key. drink it warm, yeah, it's not going to be a good wine. So always chill it before drinking. So I thought now, since you have the perfect combination, you have balsamico and you have lambrusco, and the you know the question I think a lot of people have when it comes to balsamico, you know, it's so expensive. It's in such a tiny, like traditional yeah. balsamico. It's in a tiny bottle. You know, do you only spoon out a little bit? And you and Pedroni are perfect to talk about food and balsamico food and lambrusco because what you're doing in your osteria is pretty interesting. Yeah. And different. So regarding the price of balsamic, just to give some a little bit of knowledge, uh, it's so expensive because it's worth it. <laughs> so it's so expensive because you have a minimum aging of 12 years in at least five different barrels. So that's why we have the hall with a lot of barrels because you need five barrels at least to start a production. And it's 12 years and the ratio usually is 1000 kilos of grape are going to make, no, sorry, 100 kilos of grape are going to make one liter of balsamic. And you must also wait 12 years of your life. So that's why 
at this least was done. at least that's a minimum okay because maybe it's not enough because maybe you just messed it up for 12 years and your balsamic isn't good enough and it doesn't pass the certification so you won't bottle and set your balsamic so that's why it's so expensive and but it's a very very intense flavor it's a very strong taste so you don't have to use a lot of it and like the true traditional balsamic must be used in drops really like just a few drops and that's what we do in our restaurant too you always use it raw so you always add it at the end of cooking like don't caramelize some onions with traditional balsamic because every time you do that somebody modernize and (laughs) (laughs) and you just add a few drops after cooking so as a finishing touch you add your balsamic and that really gives a true kick to your to your dish. Um, so the Osteria at Padroni is called Osteria di Rubiara, and it, it, it's based it's it's run by Giuseppe's mom, correct? Yeah, so Osteria it's always been run by the family. So uh, the kitchen in particular is run by Franca, and Franca now she's like closer to her eighties, so she's not cooking herself anymore. Uh, we have a chef, and he's Lorenzo, and he's actually very young, he's 24 this year. And he, But he's very, very good. But Franca still, she's all day inside the kitchen watching him, you know, making sure he does everything by the book. And she's still the one that holds uh, the main recipes. So let's, let's talk about some of the recipes. One of the yeah. recipes I, I wanted to bring up was... Um, I think it was the polo al lambrusco. Yeah. Polo al lambrusco. It's a particular recipe, and uh, that the family created, I think, around the 70s, 80s, and uh, it's chicken cooked in lambrusco wine. So um, the main ingredient is not the chicken, but it's the lambrusco, and the lambrusco is made only by us, and it's a particular lambrusco that Giuseppe makes only for the re- this recipe. So oh. we have a particular batch of lambrusco just for the kitchen. We don't sell it, we don't drink it, it's just for the, the recipe, okay? So I could tell you exactly how it's made, but if you don't have that lambrusco, you're never gonna get the same um, result. So it's basically, yeah, chicken, you put in the flour a bit, and then you cook it with a ton of lambrusco and you let it simmer until it becomes a sort of cream. And I think it's um, uh, a nice dish also because if you look at it from the outside, it's ugly, like it's very dark and has this kind of jelly around it. So it's very uh, scary too. Uh, but once you start cutting the meat inside, you have chicken meat, which is very uh, white like it's very light in color and that makes a very nice contrast. What about um, a recipe with balsamico? So balsamico, um, well, if we start from the beginning, so with the pasta, we add balsamic to our tortelloni. So tortelloni are the big ones that you don't cook in broth, just to make uh, a point. And the tortelloni we make, uh, they are filled with ricotta, ricotta di montagna, so that we take it from the, the mountains. So the very thick, fat ricotta, and a little bit of spinach in the filling. 
and then you just cook it and drizzle a little bit of balsamic of the young one, so the 12 years old, on top. And I think that's my favorite dish. Yeah, that's my favorite dish, hands down. And you want to use a balsamic that's not too aged because you have the ricotta, which is quite fat, and you need a young balsamic to match it. So usually younger balsamics like affinato, so 12 years, have still lots of acidity. They have like kind of a sour kick to them. And that helps balancing, you know, the ricotta and the butter that you use uh, to just to the tortelloni in a little bit. So that's it. And the next one is the frittata. I, I love the had. frittata. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that, I mean, I, I loved I loved the tortelloni, but I really, I don't know, the frittata took me to a higher level. Yeah, the frittata is uh, kind of a mesmerizing dish, I think, because um, it's called frittata. It's not an omelette. It's not oven baked. It's literally fried. Okay, so it's fried in oil and uh, with a little bit of onion too, but it's just a hint and a little bit of aglione, which is the, let's say, basic seasoning in Emilia Romagna. So it's a seasoning made with uh, garlic, salt and rosemary. And you like chop them very, very finely together and you just make jars of it and we use it everywhere. Okay, that's our basic seasoning, not ours, like Emilia Romagna <laughs> basic seasoning. And uh, so you make this omelette, you actually fry the eggs. So when you are making it, you have a lot of bubbles and it really grows a lot and it gets very big. And then you have to dry it out a little bit because otherwise you will have a lot of oil in it. Uh, but the thing is that we serve it very hot. And when we pour balsamic like just in front of you, you will have all the smell of the balsamic, all the perfume of the balsamic coming out, and it's irresistible. Like you cannot, um, you cannot not eat it. Okay, and we still use the younger's one for the frittata. Actually, sometimes I think the one you had was um, the Umberto balsamic. So all of our balsamics have a name coming from the person of the family for which the batteria was started. So you have the Umberto, and Umberto it's a balsamic that's aged in juniper. So it's one of our selections because we have really few juniper barrels. And juniper, it's a very woody um, wood. So it gives very woody notes. And with the egg, it's amazing. So that's a very good And now, one of the other things I've been trying to remember um, that I had was, I think it was the gelato. Yeah. Did I did I have a gelato alla so, uh, we make the, the ice cream too. So that's a gelato. It's like custard cream gelato. So it's basically eggs. <laughs> we don't have add any uh, lemon, any vanilla to it. It's just eggs. And that's very good because in this way you can taste the balsamic better. So you have a very neutral base. Um, and we add the extra old balsamic on top of it. So extra vecchio means minimum 25 years of aging. So you have just two varieties of traditional balsamic, affinato minimum 12 years, extra vecchio minimum 25 years. The 25 years always has the golden uh, cork 
So if you see a bottle and it has the golden label on top, that means it's a minimum 25 years old, okay? So we use that um, because that's when the vinegar gets over the 25 years old, it becomes really balanced and it seems sweeter and more intense. So that's better for desserts in general. So that's why we use it on the ice cream. And that, I think, is my other first favorite dish that we <laughs> the balsamic too. I mean, I, I, I can... that. That lunch was incredible. And I think also I, I should tell everybody I was it was a hot day and um oh, it was so hot. One of one of the requirements when I met Valeria, we were with, with a bunch of friends, was no telephones, just Sorry, enjoy yeah. the lunch, no pictures. So we sat outside and it was it was beautiful because you just sitting there eating and there was no there was no distractions. It was and and that's the thing I, I often tell people uh, about visit when when you come to Italy, if one of the things you want to do is really eat and have it, if you want to have a true food experience, I always suggest driving around Emilia Romagna, going to Modena, um, you know, because the the food there, you know, I I the cuisine is I love Rome, grew up with Roman cuisine, <laughs> but I will say that the, you know, there's prosciutto, there's lambrusco, there's balsamico, um, there's the the parmigiano. I mean, it's like everything yeah. that you identify as the best in the world, the tortellini, it's there. Now, I was wondering, if you don't mind, will you share with the listeners um, your the information on how to find uh, how to find Pedroni? What's the website? So the website is, of course, www.acetaiapedroni.it. So Acetaia is like aceto in Italian. So it's A-C-E-T-A-I-A, Pedroni.it. And there you have uh, a little bit of everything, a little bit of our history, uh, some information about the Osteria, and then all um, the balsamics that you can purchase. Unfortunately, we cannot uh, ship the wines and the liquors outside of Italy because we don't have the license to it because it's quite but, complicated. But you can ship them to Rome, to me. <laughs> of course, yeah, in Italy it's not an issue. <laughs> And we already get... shipped some Lambrusco, which take a very lo- took a very long turn because oh, yeah. we went to Germany first. That was a labor uh, issue. But, by the know, way, I received yeah. your Lambrusco back like uh, last week, like a Mine? week ago, from Germany. Huh. You know that yours went to Germany and then yeah, it came back to Italy. And then it, like, I re- literally received it last week. I'm like, okay, take your time. Because because when it when we figured out the mistake, it came to me in like a day. Yeah, it's like, what's going on? But you know, I wanted to let everybody know you can also go to Instagram. It's Pedroni eighteen sixty two. Yeah, and you Pedroni can see everything. And we have and a little so, bit of pictures. So, so even though you don't allow pictures, when I was there, you have taken and shared some great images. I see yeah, the families. Yeah, because we thought at least you know, put them on some social media <laughs> to to let people see what we make. Um, but we think it's important that when you're here, you enjoy your experience. And actually, um, in the last few months, Italo, so Italo is the Giuseppe's patriarch. father. So yeah, yeah, the patriarch of his generation. He is kind of retiring a little bit because he's 83 years old and I think he has the right to rest a little bit. 
So now we are slightly more loose on the telephone policies, but we still try to, you know, suggest and ask people to not use their phone while they're on the table, which, by the way, I believe it's a little bit rude too, and also prevents you from, you know, experiencing what you're like. You're here for, you know, yeah, you're, something, and you would your friends not be on your phone. So. I mean, if, if you like if you like to eat, there's absolutely no reason to have the phone next to you. I mean, yeah, it is such an so. incredible experience. So I'm going to let everybody know, I if you go to my website, to the podcast page, um, so inchaubella.co, you can find the podcasts. And I'll have all the information about Pedroni. I'll link to the websites and everybody can go and find Balsamico. They can see some great pictures that I have to ask <laughs> Um, because i just realized i have none (laughs) but it'll be by by the time you hear this i will have a bunch from valeria Valeria, it was great it was great (laughs) great talking to you i'm gonna go give my daughter a little teaspoon of balsamico right now to make her better okay thank you so much it was so nice to talk to you thank you i'll talk to you soon thank you thanks for listening to this week's episode of ciao bella If you'd like to know more about today's guest, please visit ciaobella.co and click on the podcast link or go directly to ciaobella.co backslash podcast. Want more Italy? You can find all my episodes on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher. When you have time, subscribe to iTunes and rate the podcast. What are you waiting for? And if you want to be part of the podcast, email me or DM me your Italy questions. To learn more about me and my work, go to my website, ericafierpo.com, and follow my Italy adventures on Instagram at ericafierpo. Ciao, bella! And a very big thank you and hug to Massimiliano Yonta and Dis to Dis Studios, the producers of Ciao, Bella, who continue to make me sound and feel great. <laughs> <laughs>